They got their franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Now, do you protect him? Take Evan Neal, who's played left and right and guard. Do you take Ika Mikwanu, who some think is as good or better than Neal? Or do you take the pass rusher in Aiden Hutchinson, who's moved ahead of Kayvon Thibodeau? Thomas, The best player on my board is Kyle Hamilton. And that ball is intercepted. That is the All-American Kyle Hamilton. They took a corner in J.C. Horn last year. They come back with Sauce Gardner over Derek Stingley Jr., who hasn't done much since 2019 when he was great. Welcome into First Draft. And if it feels a little different, something in the air, you're not mistaken. It is finally the week of the 2022 NFL Draft. I am Field Yates. And... I'm joined by the two men who will be the busiest at all of ESPN this week. Those two men, of course, being Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay. Today's show is going to be an NFC preview. Last week we did the AFC team needs. Today we'll do the NFC team needs. But before we get to that, I want to ask each of you quickly, and I'll start with you, Mel. It's draft week. How does it feel? Like, Is there a way to describe the emotions that are running through your body right now? Or are you still all business-like and just trying to put the tunnel vision on until Sunday morning? It's like Christmas morning. You can't wait for it. And then uh, the anticipation, the buildup. And you know everybody's going to get something. And they're always going to be thrilled about what they get. Fans can't wait till this day comes along. And it's hard, though. This has become a huge event that people look more forward to draft day. I'm talking about fans, guys. They look more forward to draft day than they do the start of the regular season, a lot of these guys that I talk to. So they are big time into this. The information's out there all year. Todd's got his way too early mock draft coming out in another couple of weeks. <laughs> the ratings will be out early for 2023. I'm, I'm going to be flipping Todd sheets, or, or I would have been, but I'll try, to, I'll, try to, I'll try to get them to you some way on, on Saturday, Todd, ratings for next year as we, as we debate sure that in round seven probably. But it, it's something... All the ratings for all of us are in. All the work is done in terms of the evaluations. Now we got to worry about, Todd, what? Our final mock draft that you always beat me at somehow. <laughs> I'm glad you finally admitted it, Mel. You're coming a long way. <laughs> um, you know, we go 11 months, or at least like I do, starting in May, leading up. It's, it's evaluation after evaluation, tape after tape. The book's done April 1st for me, at least, and, and then it, it becomes more about, all right, what do the teams need? Calling friends in the league, especially this past week. I've had more calls with, with people in the league than I probably had in the, in the prior like three, four months just to try to get a feel. They want to get information from me in terms of like where they think players are going. And this year is unique in that literally almost every position, you could talk to a team and they have this player at one in terms of the positional rankings and this player too, and then it could be reversed for the next one. For wide receiver, I've talked to teams that have Olave at number one, Chris Olave from Ohio State, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State at one, Drake London from USC at one, and Jamison Williams at one from Alabama. So it makes it especially like this mock draft is going to be a disaster. I'm just forewarning you. I have great information on what teams could do and kind of where they're leaning, and some teams like Derek Stingley over Sauce Gardner, and I know those spots. But to try to put it all in order, especially when like, I think Trayvon Walker is going to be the pick of Detroit, but am I convinced or anywhere close to where I was with, with 100% last year and, um, and Trevor Lawrence being the pick for Jacksonville? No. So this, this week's all about information, this past week. Now it's about getting ready to get, get to Vegas, get settled in, get your notes ready, and, and get ready for, for a whole lot of fun TV and, and reacting finally, rather than being like proactive with the evaluations. Two quick things for me. We're going to get to the NFC needs in just a moment. One is that I've always wondered why people get so up in arms about accuracy of mock drafts. Like, you could put the smartest person, you could make Bill Belichick do a mock draft. He might get two picks right, especially this year. Nobody knows what 31 other clubs are thinking. So just enjoy them for what they are. They are part entertainment. They certainly are informative. Well, unless, unless field, you go seven for seven to start a, to start a mock draft like, well, like that, a year ago. Someone I mean, did. I, I, mean I, I read about it somewhere. I was going to say, Todd, I'm going to pat your back a hundred times over again if that happens. I'm joking. But second of all, what I will say. It's not happening this year. I got a feeling you might pull through. But second thing is that we're going to all shower Mel and Todd with the praise they deserve after the draft. But the efforts of the past 11 months that Todd just referenced should not be overlooked. These two guys pour so much of their heart into this draft. It's an honor to be on with them each week here on First Draft. I'm sure saying this right now is making each of them uncomfortable. So along those lines, I'll do what they mm -hmm. probably tell me to do, which is to dive right in. And we're going to get into our NFC team needs, and we're going to start in the NFC North and – the first NFC team scheduled to make a pick on Thursday night 
is the Detroit Lions. We're going to start with you, Mel. The Lions have nine picks, including two and 32 in the first round. Brad Holmes, strong start last year with his first draft in Detroit. How about this year? How should he attack it? What does he need to do? Well, you better stop somebody in this league. You got Aaron Rodgers still in that division, guys. And, and Todd, this defense was not only bad, it was historically bad. You see that picking at two, 32, and 34, and then two threes and a couple sixes. But defense, defense, and more defense. And you can think about quarterback. People say, well, they got to take a quarterback. Why do you have to take it? You better like a quarterback. It's not a throwaway in the second round if you don't love the quarterback. So I, my attitude is if you love Desmond Ritter, you love Matt Corral, if the top two go as we expect in round one, or even a, a, you know, a quarterback like Sam Howell in the second or third round, you got to love these guys to utilize a pick when you have a defense this bad. Now, if an Arnold Ebicady happened to be there in the early second round, whatever, you can go that route. Desmond Ritter is that guy we keep thinking is going to go to the end of the first round to somebody who's going to jump in there. Detroit picks at 32 and 34, Todd. But we don't know if they love Desmond Ritter. There's a lot to like about Ritter. There's some things that concern you about Desmond Ritter. So uh, this notion that teams are locked into quarterback because they have to. They got Jared Goff. And Jared Goff went to a Super Bowl, okay? And he's still a young quarterback. And like I said, this defense was horrible. So they're going to take a defensive player at two. If Aiden Hutchinson's available, they'd love to have him. If he's not and he goes one, then you have Trayvon Walker, you have Thibodeau, you got Sauce Gardner, you got a ton of defensive players out there. As I said, I'm an Ebicady fan if he's there in the second round. If a Daxton Hill happens to be there, the safety out of uh, slot corner out of Michigan, I think there's going to be some really good defensive options for the Lions to really help strengthen that side of the ball in this draft. Yeah, the only thing I'll add here, Mel, is what if Kenny Pickett's still there at 32? Mm. I mean, that could be that could be where they do go quarterback. I don't think the Lions are coming into this draft saying, you know what, we've got to get the quarterback of our future. I don't think that they believe that necessarily there's one that that is going to be an elite quarterback at the next level. So let's let's build our defense. Let's build around the quarterback. Let's build our roster. We have plenty of holes, like you mentioned. Edge at number two is most likely maybe Sauce Gardner. Then you get to the 32. If it's not Kenny Pickett, if he's not still there, then you, you go with a safety or you go with a corner at that spot. So, and then they pick a few picks later at uh, 34 overall. So it's 32 and 34. If you are going to take a quarterback, you take him in the first round to get that fifth-year option. And the reason I say Kenny Pickett is because Carolina, according to all the intel that I've gotten, especially over this past weekend, is not taking a quarterback at six. We all thought. Every one of us thought it was a better than 50-50 chance that they, they would. Now I think it's about 10% chance. So they either take an offensive tackle, and I'm told that they like uh, Charles Cross as a possibility there, or maybe move out of that six spot. But the bottom line is from six to eight with Atlanta, Seattle at nine, none of those teams are taking quarterbacks according to what I'm hearing. So the first quarterback off the board, if there's no trades for a quarterback, could be at 20 with Pittsburgh. If they take Malik Willis – Tennessee's the only team between 20 and 32 that really could take a quarterback in this draft class. So mm. it's not that far out of the realm of possibility that Pickett's sitting there at 32. Wow. Will be really interesting. More on the Panthers, by the way, a little bit later on in this show. Let's go to the Vikings, who are making their first pick under a new regime. Questy Adolfo Mensa, their new GM. Kevin O'Connell, their new head coach. After 16 years for Rick Spielman as their GM. Uh, Todd, they doubled down on Kirk Cousins with an extension this offseason. Quarterback probably off the board. What do they need to do? They've got a bunch of picks, enough to work with, and an interesting roster. They've got some great cornerstone young pieces like Justin Jefferson, but mm -hmm. enough veteran talent that makes you think they want to add pieces to help them win right now. Yeah, I think they'd love for cornerback Derek Stingley to fall to him, but if, if everything I'm hearing over the last few days is true, I don't think Stingley gets there at number 12. You know, that, to me, if you can get a, a top 10 player at number 12 at a position that you need, especially Patrick Peterson aging, I, I would go that route. You know, Stingley, though, I'm hearing rumors that Houston might like him at three, ahead of Sauce Gardner. Wow. I heard that, that, um, that Seattle at number nine likes him. So I'm, according to what I'm hearing, I'm not sure that he's going to get to 12. If he does, that would be the pick. Then you wonder, is it Trent McDuffie, the, the third best corner in the class, who I think everyone's kind of projecting in that 14 to 18 range, but maybe you reach a little bit there. Or do you take an edge rusher? Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, very likely to be there, I think, at that, at that point. So those are the options. And then also consider 
some teams may be looking to, to move up to get the last available like wide receiver, possibly, to get ahead of Philadelphia and to get ahead of uh, New Orleans. So there could be a team that wants to move up, and maybe Minnesota takes advantage of that and moves out of their 12th spot, still gets a similar player a few, few picks later. You can get McDuffie a few picks later. You know, so they, that's a possibility to keep an eye on for the Vikings. Yeah, I'm going to jump to the second round, Todd. I'm thinking maybe tight end. Uh, you think about Irv Smith coming off the mm-hmm. injury, again, that having a guy like Trey McBride from Colorado State there uh, at that particular point, at Greg Dulcich from uh, UCLA. But McBride is one of the guys that you just watch. He's a baller. He loves the game. Plays hard, you know, does everything you want a tight end to do. He played on a team that didn't win many games, yet he was out there performing week in and week out, getting the job done. So I'm a big Trey McBride guy. Derek Stingley Jr., we talked about, I'm with you, tied on Seattle. Seattle, you hear Stingley Jr., you hear Thibodeau a little bit, but Stingley Jr. would certainly make a lot of sense for the Seahawks ahead of the Vikings. And we get into whether Trent McDuffie's worthy of being that high a pick. I would push him more into the middle of the first. But in round two, I think the tight end for the Minnesota Vikings uh, would make an awful lot of sense. No team in this division has more picks than the Green Bay Packers, which includes two firsts and two seconds, although they no longer have Devontae Adams. Mel, it has been 20 years since the Packers used a first-round pick on a wide receiver, a cornerback, excuse me, a running back, or a tight end in the first round. 18, I think. I I, I may have exaggerated it just slightly. Javon Walker back in 2004, but not by much. Does it, I mean, I may be oversimplifying it, but they have to snap the streak this year, right, with one of those two first-round picks? I guess they say never say never. I don't. I don't know. Uh, you know, you like you think about what they've done at wide receiver, and you think about what they've done at running back, Field and Todd. They have done a remarkable job drafting at those two positions. Heck, Aaron Jones was what a fifth round draft choice. And I can list a lot of other guys at running back that have done a heck of a job for this football team. And at wide receiver, well, that's Greg Jennings, Devontae Adams. You name the Jordy Nelson. The list goes on and on of second round receivers for this football team. So, you know, I don't know if they really have to force a guy that they don't love. And think about it. Who's going to be there now? Yeah, 22. Jamison Williams could be gone now. We were talking about him going 22. Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Drake London are probably going to be gone. So four gone, okay? Do you love the fifth guy? Do you love Traylon Burks? Arkansas There's mixed opinion on Traylon Burks. Mixed opinion on Jahan Dotson. Mixed opinion on Courtney Watson from North Dakota State. So to me, it depends upon who they really like. At those two spots, 22 and 28, we're all locking in a receiver with one of those two. But like I say, the second round is going to bring you Sky Moore, Western Michigan. It's going to bring in Alec Pierce from Cincinnati, George Pickens, Georgia, and a host of other players in round two that they've had great success drafting. So it's going to be really fun to see whether the Packers deviate from what they've done over the years or they say, hey, we got to get Aaron a guy in the first round and a guy we love is there at 22. Or do they package picks and move up to get one of those top four locked first round receivers? Yeah, that, that's interesting to me because you're sitting there at 22. You've got 11 picks in this draft. There's not 11 roster spots for guys to compete for. And you've got four picks in the top 59. Jamison Williams, I'm, I keep hearing the, the parachute, if you will, is Philly 15, New Orleans 16. So knowing that, if Jamison's, Jamison's still there at like 13, maybe strike a deal with the Ravens. Eric DaCosta, Ozzie Newsom, the Ravens for years have loved to trade back for, with a team that's desperate to move up for a specific player. I could see that as a possibility. And Jamison Williams, I mean, yes, you probably are going to lose a month of the season with him, maybe six weeks at the most. But when he comes back, he's a vertical threat and a difference maker after the catch, like no other receiver in this class. So, uh, stretch run Aaron Rodgers throwing to Jamison Williams. That's something I'd love to see. I, I don't get – I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard anything on Kansas City, and I haven't heard anything on Green Bay that about them potentially moving up. They always keep things quiet, both those organiz, organizations. So nothing will shock me. But if they stay home, I love Jahan Dotson from Penn State. I, I think he'd be a great fit because he can play inside and outside. And I think he's the most NFL-ready of that second tier of wide receivers that Mel mentioned. Uh, let's wrap up the, the uh, NFC North with the Chicago Bears. First draft for Ryan Poles. And I had the honor of working with him, Todd, when we were both sort of run, a grunt-level scouts in Kansas City. I've known him for a long mm-hmm. time. And I will, And this is what a lot of GMs are probably tagged as. He's going well, to then you tell this, us what he's going to do. Oh, well, well, it's hard when they're not picking until 39. But he's going to build this roster <laughs> through the draft. You know, I know he is salivating right now, less than 100 or so hours from the NFL draft. The problem is they got very little capital this year. So 2023 and 2024 are the draft where he's really going to find the roots and the bones of this roster. But with the limited capital they have, 
How should he be approaching his first draft in Chicago? Yeah, you see the two wide receivers there and Byron Pringle and Equinamius St. Brown that they brought in the offseason. I still think wide receiver is a position they could look. Sky Moore from Western Michigan, great slot receiver, excellent after the catch. George Pickens, a little different receiver, a little bit bigger, taller, and a vertical guy who's coming off the injury last year. But when he's healthy, he's one of the probably five, six best wide receivers in this class in terms of natural talent. And also offensive tackle and and guard as well. But offensive tackle, I think, is probably the biggest need on this roster right now. Who are you going to get, though? Talking to GMs across the league, the biggest drop-off in talent is after Penning, Trevor Penning from uh, Northern Iowa, to the next offensive tackle and like that, that third tier, if you will. The first tier is the top three we've talked about, Iki Aquanu, Evan Neal, and Charles Cross. Then there's a drop-off, then there's Penning, and then there's another big drop-off. So mm. is getting Bernard Raymond, is that really going to like so- solve your problem and tackle moving forward? Maybe it is, but I- I'm not sure. Um, Abraham Lucas from Washington State, I think he's a really good player. Plug-and-play right tackle in the league, in my opinion. But is, is that exactly what they need? So the Bears have some tough decisions to make. I think offensive tackle and wide receiver will be among the positions that they look for with those three picks in rounds two and three combined. Yeah, Todd, just to piggyback that, I think corner as well. They could go maybe a Kair Elam mm-hmm. from Florida, uh, certainly a Kyler Gordon from Washington uh, if they were available. But I, I'll go to an offensive tackle I like. I know he needs coaching. Is Tyler Smith from Tulsa. Totally. Fun to watch him play. He's kind of got a little Trevor Penning him. He just, he just beats you up. But the technique, he's, he, you I'm told he's hands. not getting out of the first round. about no. him technically. Oh, really? Okay, okay. Well, if that's, if that's happening, yeah. you're gambling we'll, we'll over there, your offensive line coach being able – being able to fix what he does. And what he does, Todd, is fixable by a quality offensive line coach. I thought he'd Agreed. be a great pick for the Bears. I think he'll probably be a right tackle. I wouldn't say I wouldn't just rule out left tackle. Some people think guard. I don't think he's going to be a guard. I think he's going to be a tackle. I think they will fix his issues. He's a tit. He's got a mean streak in him. I love the way he plays the game. I love the tape on him. Now, technique-wise, you saw him. He's raw and he needs work. But, boy, does he get after you. And if Trevor Penning, who's raw as well, is going to go in the middle of the first, Todd, you're probably right on the late first, but I thought maybe he could be there in the early second. But if you're right, then you're looking more at guys. Like you said, Abraham Lucas is a right tackle. I think corner and wide receiver, you covered all the receivers that could go there. Uh, So Tyler Smith, hey, hey, for him, let's hope. I didn't one mock, I think it was 3.0 going to Dallas. At with 24 because they need a right tackle. Okay, with Collins moving on uh, to the Cincinnati Bengals, so we'll see. Tyler Smith's going to be an interesting guy to see where he does come off the board. You know, Tyler Smith and versus Bernard Raymond, sort of interesting dichotomy that's important in this draft. Tyler Smith is the young upside play. He's raw. He's going to need some time, as you guys just both referenced. But Bernard Raymond, a 25-year-old rookie. I'm not saying that he's not going to be a really good player, but because of the COVID year, so many players are coming out a year or two later mm-hmm. than they normally did. That if I'm a t- like Chicago, I'd rather bet on a 22-year-old who might take two to three years, but two to three years from now, he'll be the age that somebody like Raymond already is. There are a lot of prospects that are much older than normal that we're going to see go in the first round. We're going to come back and finish the Carolina Panthers conversation we referenced a little bit earlier on, but first, a word from our friends over at Geico, which is where First Draft is brought to you by. Geico asked this question, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Well, who wouldn't? After all, who doesn't love a great deal, right? And when it comes to great rates on insurance for all the things in your life, Geico can help. Life with ins- like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, even your RV, plus homeowners, condos, or renters coverage. You could save even more with a special discount when you bundle your coverages, plus add the easy-to-use Geico mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and choose to switch to Geico becomes an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you can save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com, get a rope. To get a rate quote or contact your local agent and get started seeing how much you could save. Support for this podcast and the following message also comes from Supercuts. Hair has a way of growing back faster than we wanted to, and somehow it can feel like we need more haircuts than we have time for. Luckily, Supercuts is here to make grabbing a haircut easy. Supercuts is here for you if you're someone who needs a haircut but doesn't think they have time for a haircut. No more scouring the web for salons with availability. You can use the Supercuts app to find the location nearest to you and check in or just walk in. Another, another bonus, the salon shows estimated wait times so you know exactly what you're in for. As for the cut itself, it's always super solid. Thanks to Supercut's highly trained stylist. Get in, get out, and get to that thing that you actually needed a haircut for. Whether you've got a first date or vacation coming up or you just want to look good, maybe the NFL drafts, Supercut's makes getting a haircut effortless. It's not just any haircut, it's Supercut's. Check in now on the Supercut's app or on Supercut's.com. 
All right, now we're back to the Carolina Panthers as we move to the NFC South. And I'll start with Mel here. And Mel, this is a really interesting team. They have the sixth pick, a crown jewel pick in this year's class. The big problem is they don't pick again until the fourth round. So if you're Carolina with limited supply after pick six, what's your approach? Understanding that they've got two massive needs, quarterback and left tackle. They really do, uh, Field. And uh, Todd talked about them maybe moving off of six or using that pick. They don't have a second or third round pick. And they need a pass rusher, opposite Burns. They need a left tackle. And obviously quarterbacks got to be in the discussion. They've been kind of all over these. Todd's been with them all these, these pro days. And Caroline's been well represented. Everybody says it's Matt Rule's year. This is the year that he has to win. Uh, we thought Deshaun Watson was going to be the quarterback. Well, he's not. He's in Cleveland, right? And you got Sam Darnold, who's been unfairly criticized, in my opinion, as being a guy just flat out can't play. I mean, he's being written off as a guy just as terrible. You, you can't, you can't, they don't even want to mention Sam Darnold. Yet he's only a year older than Kenny Pickett, which is pretty incredible. But, and Sam's gone through a lot. Uh, but I think when you look at, do they move off a of six, Todd, and get into the middle of the first, okay? Pick up those draft choices. We talked about picking up draft choices. And then say, okay, we like Pickett. We don't love him, but we like him enough to say he can be maybe Derek Carr, okay? And we also like Malik Willis, but we know he's a little raw, but we got Sam Darnold as a bridge. If they like them both, they know Pittsburgh's a 20 eyeing up Willis, and they can go from six down into the middle of the first somewhere. Obviously, get draft choices to fill some of those neat areas we talked about. And then you can get a Kenny Pickett who Matt Rule tried to recruit the Temple. We know all about that history going back there. Does that mean anything? I don't know. Uh, the, the, the Malik Willis going to Pittsburgh, we're locking him in. Well, if they know that, they got just got to be ahead of the Steelers if the Steelers don't move up. So, Todd, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Do they use the pick once they have a left tackle, or do they trade back into the first, down into the first, and get a quarterback that we've all thought they would take at some point in this first round? Yeah, and I keep hearing that Charles Cross is the guy that they want at left tackle. He's the best pure pass protector at that left tackle spot. Still has a lot of work to do as a run blocker and, and, and is still just inexperienced as a player. But there are people in the league, multiple people, that think two, three years from now when he continues to develop physically and technique-wise that Charles Cross could be the best offensive tackle from this class. So if that's their mindset, but if the Giants take Cross at number five, which I'm hearing more and more buzz about, then maybe you do move out of that sixth spot. And I agree. Like, How about the Chargers? Sitting at 17, you're a tackle away. And now, I, I personally, I don't know why you wouldn't take Evan Neal if you're, if you're Carolina and you have that left tackle void. But if you can pick up a second and a third-round pick and the Chargers are only one or two pieces away from being a legit Super Bowl contender, uh, it would be worth it to package some picks, move up, and go get Evan Neal if he's still sitting on the board at number six. So it's something to keep an eye on. I think if Charles Cross is there, he's the pick. It gets interesting, though, if the Giants take Cross one pick ahead of them at number five. This is a sweeping generalization, but I would say on average, trading back and acquiring more picks winds up being the more favorable side of a deal than trading up. It's just the draft is a very inexact science. Even the best make major wins. Let's go to Atlanta. It's a volume game. No doubt about it. Seriously, get as many, uh, you know, as they say, swings at the plate as you can. Let's go to Atlanta, number eight. And, Todd, uh, this is a team who – uh, has been in this. They've been in this weird sort of I don't know, purgatory. It's probably too strong of a term, but not quite ready to turn it into a rebuild. But also not quite good enough to win big. But no more Matt Ryan. A new era, if you will. They start with pick eight. What should they be doing here? I think it's. I, I think it should be wide receiver. I think Drake London would be the guy that they want. It could be Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. If it's not the only thing I've heard, and this is information that's different from what I had heard before, and this is where he got a. You're always juggling. But I, I had heard that Atlanta wasn't so high on Kayvon Thibodeau. Then I just heard over the weekend that the parachute pick for Thibodeau is number eight to Atlanta. And th- talking to people who are dialed in that have to have this information for their careers, basically. you know. So, so they've been digging and digging and digging. And they say Thibodeau to Atlanta if he's there. Now, he may not be on the board. It's a moot point. But it's just something interesting because I could see Thibodeau, if he doesn't go in the first – Three picks may be falling to that spot at number eight. But again, I go back to Drake London. I think he's the guy that fits best in terms of what they're looking for. I would say it's maybe, you know, 50-50 at this point between those two guys. Then it gets interesting because you talk about the second round. Are they going to try to move up ahead of Detroit, that 32 spot, to go get Matt Corral, who I've also heard kind of linked to them out of Ole Miss, the quarterback? Because Listen, Matt Corral, there's so many positives and there's a handful of negatives you can talk about them, and we've gone through all of them on this this draft. But if you love them, you love them. 
He's one of those guys, you know, he's galvanizing. So if Atlanta likes Matt Corral as much as I think they do, do you sit there at, what is it, 40, 43? Yeah, 43 in the second round and hope that he falls to you? Or do you get aggressive with all those additional picks they have in later rounds and move up ahead of, of 32 or even ahead of 26 in Tennessee? Here's the problem, Todd. you got to think about if you're Atlanta and a team that is completely restructuring. Somebody's going to be picking number one next year. Mm-hmm. There's going to be Bright or number two. You're going to have Bryce Young from Alabama. And you're going to have C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. We'll see about Anthony Richardson, how he develops tremendously talented kid at Florida. Draft the quarterback this year, and if you're sitting there with Matt Corral and you got Marcus Mariota, Mariota's going to be the guy that plays, right? Well, coming out of the RPO system, it's going to take Matt Corral a little bit of time, right? So you have Matt Corral with Marcus mm-hmm. Mariota. Say you're picking one or two. What do you do then? So, again, that's where next year, that 2023 draft is going to be loaded with quarterbacks. I just mentioned three. I got probably eight or nine. You're going to have your way too early mock draft. I don't know how many you're going to have in the first round, but it's going to be a better group than it was this year, kind of rivaling last year. So that's what I look at with Atlanta. If you're completely restructuring this football team, then – and Marcus Mariota is your guy. What do you really do there? And I understand Corral, if you love him, if you love him and you want to commit to him and you think he can be an outstanding quarterback in this league, I'm all with you, Todd, on that. But if, you think, if you're just doing it because we need a young quarterback, that's not the reason to do it. You, you better be all in on Matt yeah, Corral I agree. and get a, a consensus built within your organization. Man, it's totally just, agree. It just feels like one of those years where you talk to a team who doesn't have a quarterback need and they're like, I can't imagine using a premium pick on a quarterback. <laughs> you talk to a team who needs a quarterback and they're kind of like, well, you know, we see it here and there with these guys. A better year mm-hmm. to be a team that does not need a quarterback. Let's go to the Saints, who you could argue need a quarterback, but they do have Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton as his backup. Mel, I think there's got to be another shoe to drop with that trade that involved the Saints and the Eagles. It just felt so odd that far out from the draft. Yeah. What's New Orleans up to? they got seven picks, including two in the first round. Yeah, that's, you think about 16 and 19, and, and they got the Eagles in that mix right there. But uh, to me, it's the left tackle spot. And Todd mm. talked about Trevor Penning. They got Teron Armstead out of Arkansas Pine Bluff, and they hit with him. Now, of course, he's moved on to Miami. But you think about left tackle, they want to go back to the you know, non-1A ranks and get a guy like Trevor Penning who needs work. There's no question about it. He's got to get some bend, or the quick guys are going to just eat him up. Uh, he's a tremendously fiery left tackle. Will he ultimately be a right tackle? They need him to be a left tackle. If the Chargers are looking at Penning, they're looking at him at a right tackle opposite Slater. Okay, So this is going to be really fun to see what happens with Penning. Is he even in the plans for these two teams? And then wide receiver for New Orleans. Obviously a speed receiver like Jamison Williams would make a ton of sense. Chris Olave, whether it's Drake, uh, uh, Drake London, who's going to be gone. But I think they want more speed. So you would think Garrett Wilson. You would think maybe Olave. But certainly Jamison Williams. And Olave is, the, is a professional, Todd, in every sense of the word. You love watching him during his career. When Justin Fields, they didn't hook up at the end of that game right against Clemson. Nolan Turner picks a ball from the end zone. Olave took responsibility for that mistake. He didn't put it on his quarterback. He said it was on me. That prevented them from winning a football game. Okay, so love the, the approach, love the professionalism of Chris Olave, running like he did on the heels of a brilliant career, puts him certainly in the mix to go not only to the Saints possibly, but how about the Philadelphia Eagles, who want another receiver to work in with Devontae Smith, who had a heck of a rookie year uh, with Hurts there with the Eagles. So I think the left tackle spot for New Orleans and a wide receiver are areas they're going to address very early, Todd. Yeah, I'll be interested to see because I'm, there's a real strong chance Olave doesn't get past 11 at Washington. I'm told that, you know, they're, they love Drake London. It could be Alave. If, if London's not on the board, it could be Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame. But, but ultimately, if it's not Alave, what route do you go? You know, if you get your offensive tackle with the first of two picks, if you're New Orleans, then, then maybe you, you get off the wide receiver train and you say, all right, we'll get Alec Pierce from Cincinnati, John Mechie from Alabama in the second round. And let's take advantage of, of what is still available, like a Devontae Wyatt defensive tackle from Georgia. So that could be a, a, another area that they wind up looking at and looking for the future of that defensive tackle spot. By the way, if they did draft Chris Olave, I'm sure everybody would make this point, but they would have Chris Olave and Michael Thomas, two excellent former Ohio State wide receivers. Let's go to Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. Todd. And if we had this conversation early February, it might be a little bit different. But you may have heard Tom Brady has retired and then unretired for 40 days. Uh, he's around. Leonard Fournette is back. A lot of the free agents are back. They kind of keep the band together. But 
they still have to address some needs. And uh, Tom Brady is going to eventually retire, and he is an unrestricted free agent next offseason. How should Jason Light be approaching this draft? Well, I think you've got to solidify the offensive line pretty early. If it's not at 27, then probably at 60. I look at Kenyon Green from Texas A&M, Zion Johnson from Boston College as the two most likely picks at that, at that spot. I mentioned Dev- Devontae Wyatt a little bit earlier with uh, New Orleans. If Wyatt falls, there is some, some pass and off-the-field incident that could ha- allow him to fall or force him to fall a little bit. And if Wyatt's available, I think that would be a great pick. You're taking value at that spot. So it'll be interesting. But I do think guard is going to be a priority early on. Like I said, Kenyon Green and Zion Johnson are the best pure guards in this class. And Wyatt, as I mentioned, listen, if you go off the tape and forget about the combine workout, the better player defensive tackle was Devontae Wyatt over teammate Jordan Davis, who, as I mentioned, could go as high as number nine to Seattle in this class. That's how talented Wyatt is. He's a three technique. He's quick. He's sudden. Does a great job of locating the football, getting off of blocks. His sack numbers weren't excellent. I feel like we say the same thing with all these Georgia guys because they all kind of got in on the action. But, but Devontae Wyatt is going to be a player that when we look back, maybe one of the four or five best defensive players from this draft, as long as he keeps everything square off the field and there's no other incidents. I'm with you on Wyatt, Todd. Jalen Carter next year is going to be an elite guy. What a defensive front they had in the front seven they had at Georgia. That's yeah. why he won a national title. But I think the offensive guard spot is going to be interesting, Todd. you got a lot of talk about Zion Johnson. We had him on the Darian Mel show this past week. What a well-spoken kid out of Riverdale Baptist. And it was a golfer turned football player and goes to Davidson and Boston College. So Zion Johnson... A lot of talk about him maybe being a Tennessee Titan. Obviously, Tyler Rabel was there, Mike Rabel's son on that line at Boston College. And they have a good lineage of producing uh, linemen there at BC with the Eagles. But you mentioned Kenyon Green. But a lot of these guards in this draft are going to be former tackles. Darian Kennard, I think a right tackle could be a guard. Okay, I think he's going to struggle a little bit at right tackle, but a guard will be fine. Sean Ryan doesn't have the arm length, left tackle. He'll be a guard in the NFL coming out of UCLA. Then you have a guy like Cole Strange at UT Chattanooga. Kenyon Green certainly played everywhere on that line. He could, you could, In a pinch, you could play Kenyon Green at tackle. At guard, though, he played both spots, provides great versatility. He's a borderline first-round pick. I think more of an early second-round choice, so Kenyon Green makes sense there. But I think there's an awful lot. Jamari Salyer at Georgia, tackle, he'll be a guard in the NFL. So there's a lot of those types of players that you, you figure, okay, t- collegiate tackle, kick them inside, and you got yourself a pretty good football player. Man, pretty good depth this year for the offensive line, it feels like. Even if that offensive tackle drop-off help feels uh, re- like it, it happens relatively early, as Todd referenced earlier on. And if you want more uh, information, or I guess just entertainment via the Bucks, the final episode of Man in the Arena is here. You may have heard a little 11-part, <laughs> 10-part series. Uh, they're all exclusively available on ESPN+, which means all of them are now streaming. Man in the Arena, Tom Brady, 22 seasons and 10 Super Bowl appearances. Tom Brady, like you've never heard him. Featuring Tom Brady's three sisters, Giselle Bunchen, his wife, Tom Brady Sr., his dad, Rob Gronkowski, Michael Strahan, and more. Again, all episodes are now streaming on ESPN+. It's presented by Under Armour. Now we move forward to the NFC East. And I keep coming back to this, Mel. The Giants have a lot of issues. They have a tough cap situation. They may not have a long-term answer at quarterback on their current roster. But man, oh man, this team can add two absolute cornerstones. It picks five and seven this year. GM Joe Shane on the clock for the first time. How should he go about his business? Foundation pieces, guys. Uh, foundation pieces. You got to get it five and seven. And coming over from uh, you know an organization that had a lot of success, obviously Buffalo. You think about where the Giants are on the O line and the D line. Andrew Thomas is developing at left tackle. They need a right tackle. And whether it's Iki Aquanu moving the right tackle, whether it's Evan Neal who started a whole year at right tackle, whether it's Charles Cross, you want to make him a right tackle, however they want to go, that's a position they have to solidify. Then at seven, you think about going the D-line. But Iki Aquanu at five, to me, with the way he plays the game, that's been I've never seen a year, Todd, where you had so many offensive linemen that we just were happy to watch and, and were entertained watching. Yeah. This guy just beats you up. His pass protection skills improved dramatically. Penning, Tyler Smith, this was a fun group. And I want to see Jermaine Johnson a second out of Florida State. Pass rush, the bend off the edge was outstanding, okay? The burst to the quarterback, you saw it. Now, Georgia even had seven sacks there in his career. This year, he put it all together with 12 sacks. What impressed me the most, Todd, with Jermaine Johnson in second was the hustle. He had the second amount of second on the tackle chart. 
for a guy like this, defensive end, who got after it. He's got the length. He's got all the skills. To me, he's a guy that could shoot up there. At 70, makes an awful lot of sense. And this is a team that needs it. And at some point, a tight end, Ricky Seals-Jones comes in, Daniel Jones, the tight end spot. Could you add one? Jelani Woods out of Virginia and Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina. A Jeremy Rucker at Ohio State. Kate Ott in Washington. That's a, you know, a decent second, third tier of tight ends, but they probably will address that. But I think Jermaine Johnson a second, or Todd, do they move off a of seven? I've talked to Chris Mortensen. You talked to Mort. Right. Mort says that seventh pick or fifth pick even could be dealt. Uh, Todd, that's going to be fun to watch as well with the Giants. Yeah, it is. I, I think we're going to have a run on these offensive tackles early, and I think the Giants are going to, going to be a part of that. It could be Ike Aquano going number three to the Houston Texans. It could be then Evan Neal going number four to the Jets, and it could be Charles Cross at number five. Again, just to, just to drill at home, I don't know – definitively who they're taking, but I keep hearing Charles Cross for both the Giants and the Panthers. So if you go offensive tackle at five, then why not move out of seven if you get an offer? Because this class is about six or seven players deep in terms of like the top tier. Mm. So if you can get additional picks in the second and third round where this class is loaded because of exactly what Field was talking about before with the COVID year and more players in this class in terms of just like midline guys that can contribute – why not take advantage? I know you see right now, 67 and 81, they picked in the third round. They've got one in the fourth. Why not be like the Ravens and have seven in the third and fourth round? And the Ravens are going to clean up when this is all said and done. But my point is, I would think about moving off a of seven. If Kayvon Thibodeau's there at seven, mm. that's a pretty damn good draft. You get your offensive tackle to finally solidify that offensive line, and then you add a pass rusher who may wind up being the best pass rusher in this class when it's all said and done. So those would be two names in terms of Cross and Thibodeau that I would line up with the Giants right now. Also, one uh, one other name I've heard with the Giants, Kyle Hamilton, the safety from from Notre Dame. I think the draft starts for Hamilton at 7, and he's going to go somewhere between like 7 and 14 or 15. Really, really fascinating to see where Kyle Hamilton lands. Just because it made me think of it, uh, just to circle back to Jermaine Johnson the second, it's possible that the 2021, 2020, excuse me, Georgia defense will have 13 guys that played for <laughs> it that wind up getting drafted. We had five last year. We could have eight this year if you include Jermaine Johnson II, who played for Georgia in 2020. 13 guys, they had backups who were going to get drafted. That is just ridiculous. And that wasn't even the year the team was as dominant as they were this past season. Let's move forward now to the Washington Commanders, a team that's been popularly linked. Uh, Todd, to Kyle Hamilton, they pick at 11. It feels like yeah. this is a team uh, that the needs, to me, feel pretty obvious. Like, wide receiver seems to be one that's talked about often. It feels like safety has been talked about quite a bit. This is a team that maybe isn't easy to size up, but it wouldn't surprise me if there's a chalky pick here. Yeah, Drake London, from everything I'm told, is the guy that they really would want. You know, believe the information at this point in the, in the lying season or not. Uh, and then Chris Olave, I've also heard linked. So it kind of depends on who you're talking to, getting a little bit different information b- between those two receivers. But wide receiver, I think, would be the priority at that pick. Kyle Hamilton, if their guy at wide receiver is gone, let's say let's – say, um, Garrett Wilson goes eight to Atlanta and Drake London goes 10 to the Jets, just throwing it out there. And if they don't like Olave as much as I'm hearing, then maybe Kyle Hamilton at that spot. Regardless, I think I would say 80-20, it's going to be a receiver at 11. And then you look at the second round where they're picking at number 36. If they, if they get receiver, they're not going to go after one of the top receivers there, but they could go after like a Christian Watson, at line, uh, Christian Harris, sorry, a linebacker from Alabama is a guy who could come in and start right away, an experienced player coming out, out of that rolling, uh, that roll tied defense, I should say. Yeah, Kyle Hamilton to me is going to be the player we're going to be talking a lot about. Ironically, Todd, and I looked at this from August, and I had it right there lined up Thibodeau one, Derek Stingley Jr. two, Kyle Hamilton three. And here we are talking about Kayvon Thibodeau maybe dropping just a bit. Derek Stimley Jr. dropping and maybe going nine, but somewhere in that nine at range, Minnesota 12, maybe been as far as he could drop. And here's Kyle Hamilton maybe dropping down to that 11 spot, 7 to 11 area. So there's three defensive players that were the elite of the elite Stingley Jr. had the great 2019. We know Thibodeau was number one out of high school, number one going into the year, played through the injury after getting hurt against Fresno State. And we know Kyle Hamilton. Todd, I'll ask you this. At any point in time when you were watching Kyle Hamilton in his career, 
Did you ever question his speed? Because I didn't. And then he no, runs the tour. So do we really care? Once I, I said to Keyshawn Johnson, I said, I said to Keyshawn Johnson last week, I said, Key, once you're in the NFL, nobody cares what gives a daggone what your forty time was, right? So once you're playing, nobody nobody times a guy in a forty. I'd like to see what they rank. It wouldn't be that good. A lot of these guys that are playing great football, but we're all worried about it when they come out. At any point in time, did you see number fourteen and say, "Boy, I don't think he's that fast. I don't think he's that rare. I don't think he's that unique." Did you ever say that, Todd? Mm. No, never once. That's why I'm I'm, I'm surprised. It, the only thing I'm getting back from teams is not as much about the 40 time. Most, guys, most people I've talked to are like, yeah, I'm, I'm not that worried about it. He plays faster. He's long. It's just not an issue. The only thing is when you're a top 10 team in terms of picking in the draft, it means you've got multiple spots to fill in. Most of these teams are realistically two, three years away from having a chance if everything goes right to, to contend for a Super Bowl. If, if it was the reverse order and the teams at the back just needed one or two pieces to like to put them over the next level – then I think Kyle Hamilton would go a lot earlier because he he you don't make a foundation piece out of a safety, unfortunately, for that position and unfortunately for Hamilton. But when he comes in the league, again, it will not surprise me at all if he's defensive rookie of the year. I mean, I, I like him that much. Instant impact, that much is for sure. The comparison, I, I, I'm a, not a big comparison guy, but one that has been made frequently is Derwin James to Kyle Hamilton. Probably better athlete than Derwin James, but still two guys that can do a lot in the middle of the field. Let's move forward mm-hmm. now to Philly. And, Mel, they've got some flexibility here. They've already made one trade. They had three first-round picks and now have two. You know Howie Roseman, their GM, loves to make draft day trades. Just loves it. How should they be approaching this year? It seems like they're not going to be in the quarterback market. No, and then Jalen Hurts, this is the year for him. We talk about Daniel Jones and, and Jalen Hurts in the same division, the NFC East, where Dak Prescott dominates, and Carson Wentz is going to hopefully elevate Washington and get them going, and maybe Carson can recapture what he did uh, when he was a great quarterback early on with the Eagles. But I think you look at this team and you say, okay, you know, what do they need the most? Where are they going to go? you got to think wide receiver. Devontae had a heck of a year considering that Jalen Hurts didn't see the field like some of the other elite quarterbacks. That's an area Jalen needs to work on. Devontae was really good. And then you say, okay, the secondary, could you use a player like Daxton Hill, who's a versatile, moving him around, get the most out of a guy who's a great, true football player, a real baller in that secondary. They always like to draft pass rushers at some point. And they've already fortified themselves for 2023, knowing that quarterback could be an option. Here's Daxton Hill. Talk about a guy slot corner, can play all over, gets after to the quarterback, got tackles for lost sacks, has good ball skills, he tackles in space. He's just a smart football player. Played for McDonald, who's now the defensive coordinator with the Baltimore Ravens. Daxton Hill, I don't, Todd, I don't hear this guy's name mentioned at all. I don't know why. Maybe because of the safety spot, they don't want to talk about guys. I think he's a pure defensive back. He's right there with McDuffie. I think he's a mid-first-round caliber player. He's number 14, 15 on my board right now, Todd. Love Daxton Hill. Yeah, I'm the same range. I think I'm, I've got him at 15 right now in this class. And, and I agree. He's like the, the silent player. No one wants to talk about because they're not sure, is he a free safety? Is he a nickel corner? What is he? He's a, he's a damn good cover guy who makes plays on the ball. And he's, he's not that big, but he plays a lot bigger than his size in terms of his aggressiveness versus the run. So I like that combination, though. Wide receiver and, and bringing a cornerback. If they don't get the corner – and they go a different route in the first round. I do think it's going to be wide receiver, by the way. And I keep hearing Jamison Williams could be there at 15. I would love that. I mean, for Jalen Hurts to have that kind of weapon uh, would be awesome for him. But if they, if they go wide receiver at 15 and they don't go cor- corner, I think in the second round, maybe like a Roger McCreary from Auburn. And then that means they probably went with Devin Lloyd, maybe, at the, at the linebacker position coming out of Utah. So they have different ways they can go. But but just as important, they loaded up for, the next, for next year and even got an additional pick the following year. So they, if they want to move on from Jalen Hurts after next season, they've got the ammunition to go up and get a C.J. Stroud from Ohio State or a Bryce Young from Alabama. I'm trying to refrain because this is your guy's show, but I'm glad that Todd just mentioned the name Devin Lloyd. I think if I were to make a list of don't overthink it and just trust the tape, Devin Lloyd would be on it. I keep feeling mm-hmm. like I'm hearing very little about Devin Lloyd relative to what I thought I saw last year and the year before and the year before that. The guy's a star, and yet feels like his name is maybe like a low first-round pick, maybe even out of the first round, depending on how things shake out. I think a team will get a great value if that is the case. Let's wrap up the NFC East with the Dallas Cowboys, Todd, a team that kind of has some needs now. They made some moves this offseason, saw some players spark Randy Gregory. They traded away Amari Cooper. they got to hit some picks here. Yeah, sitting at 24, I don't see an offensive tackle that's, that's going to be there. 
And, and I think there's a big drop off at the edge position. So they're kind of in no man's land. And, and you heard Jerry Jones say that they're certainly willing to, to move up to go get a guy. And they may have to do that to get a, a Trevor Penning from northern, northern Iowa, the offensive tackle, or go, go up and get a different player at a position that they just can't get at that spot. I keep hearing Traylon Burks, the wide receiver from Arkansas, is the connection there with Dallas, and that he would be right in the range that I think he's going to go. Uh, but I don't think offensive tackle is, is a spot that they're going to be able to fill out at that, at that position. And the edge guys are going to kind of run out, and then we'll see more a little bit later first, early second round when you get into the Arnold Ebicady from Penn State. Kuiper, I know, would, would give Ebicady to Dallas and, and sleep well at night, right, Mel? I really would, Todd. I, I think as a pass rusher, I don't know what you're looking for if you don't like this kid. Uh, he got after the quarterback at Temple, got after the quarterback at Penn State. Love the way he utilizes his hands. Love his pass rush moves. Love his aggressiveness and, and, and the way how hard a worker he is. From day one at Penn State, he set the tone for what type of player he could become. He wowed them over. He won that locker room and he won it on the practice field by the way he attacked uh, each day. So for me, yeah, Ebba Katie, I, I don't know if I'd say these are certain names like Field brought up a great point. Field said, we haven't heard a lot about Devin Lloyd. I brought up Daxton Hill. Arnold Abacady, we and Todd and I, we have fun back and forth, but I don't hear his name a lot, okay, when you're hearing no. guys talk about the guys that are going to go in that 20 to 32 range. Uh, but I think there's some overlooked guys that are going to be really good picks when they come off the board. The problem with that is – how about, how about Tyler Smith we talked about earlier coming in as an offensive tackle? These, these tackles are going to go earlier than we think because when the run's over, you know, you're just you're standing there without a chair. And that's, that's the problem. So Tyler Smith, this could be the range 24 to 32 that we see him come off the board too. I'm just looking at my notes, guy. Tyler Smith going to die. I'll give you another name. He's a, he's a polarizing player in this draft. And he would make sense for the Cowboys. I just don't think he's going quite this high. I know some people have mocked him and put him up really high. I heard number one pick in the draft back in October. It's George Karloftis from Purdue, Todd. There's a lot of mixed opinion on him. Yeah, about COD, that's change of direction. He doesn't have that. He's a try-hard guy, doesn't have great length, doesn't always be the, hasn't always the finisher. George Karloftis is a guy you can range from anywhere between 24 and the early to mid-second round. I've even had people say, hey, he's not any better than a late second, third rounder. Karloftis gives you everything he has on the football field. In a rotation, he can be a guy, can be a factor. He's, like I say, he's borderline because he doesn't have the trait. So when you talk about the length, everybody wants length. Everybody wants to see those sack totals through the roof. And certainly they want to see the agility and the quickness and the change of direction. But this guy gives you everything he has. Like I said, he to me is a guy that was pubbed to the hilt. Everybody talked about him like he was the next Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa. It didn't work out that way. Now all of a sudden he's a borderline first rounder. Where Carl Loftus goes will be interesting to keep an eye on when we get to the end of day one I would bet and whether he gets into early day two. I would bet round two. If I'll be out in Vegas. Maybe I'll put a little cash on it for you. Ooh, there we go. All right. I like that idea right there. I got to see some sort of bet between the two of you by the time the week is over. Let's get to the NFC West final division for us to cover. Arizona Cardinals, excuse me, the Seattle Seahawks are the team that picks first in this division. They have the ninth overall pick. At least they're scheduled to pick first. Really, really interesting team here, Mel, because the quarterback might be a need, might not be a need. They might love Drew Locke. They now have a first-round pick that they didn't have before, but they don't have Russell Wilson. John Schneider in basically, I mean, this is not uncharted territory, but it's been a while since Seattle had this much uncertainty in a draft. Trust in John Schneider. He's done a heck of a job building this team. Now they got to build it back up again. And you got to, they, they hit on Russell Wilson when they thought Matt Flynn was going to be the guy. Remember those days? It was going to be Matt Flynn. And oh, wow, by the way, in the third round, they drafted this five, ten and a half quarterback named Russell Wilson, NC State to Wisconsin. And they, they, they ended up with a future Hall of Famer who already won a Super Bowl, should have won two. Now he's in Denver. Bottom line is they got to get a quarterback. Now they seem to like Drew Locke. Chris Mortensen, Adam Shetterlock, that Drew Locke, they like him more than other people people did. They might have had a high grade on him coming out of Missouri, but that's an unknown quantity, right? He's got the arm. Does he have the rest? Bottom line is corner Derek Stingley Jr.'s names come up, obviously. It seems always like pass rushers. People say, well, Kayvon Thibodeau could be there. Would they take him? I just think this organization's got, they added some pieces in the trade. You know, Noah Fant coming over and Harris coming over and Locke. Now you have the draft pick at nine, which you didn't have. This is from Denver, but I got to believe quarterback is going to be in the discussion at some point. Like I said, they, they, got, they drafted Russell Wilson. Is there a third-round quarterback in this draft, Todd, that you would be excited about? Uh, maybe, maybe Sam Howe in round three if he dropped that far? I don't know, but that's going to be interesting to follow whether they attack the quarterback position at some point. 
Yeah, I, I'm starting to get the sense that they're, that's not where they're looking. Maybe if, if they have a high grade on a Desmond Ritter or a Matt Corral, it maybe it, forty and forty-one, maybe one of those two picks, but certainly not at number nine, based off of what I'm hearing. I, another name to throw out there, Mel. Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle from Georgia. I've heard it a couple times now that Seattle's really had their eye on Jordan Davis. I think Thibodeau could, could wind up going at eight or earlier, and I think Thibodeau would be, would be on their, their radar, certainly. But I think Jordan Davis is kind of a, a sleeper or su- could possibly a surprise to be that number nine pick in Seattle. Man, number nine for Jordan Davis would be fascinating. I can't wait to see where the big man ends up. I can't wait to see – I'm assuming he's at the draft. I can't wait to see him embrace – he would not even embrace Roger Goodell. He would swallow up, or he will swallow up Roger Goodell because he is all of that 341-pound frame. He is a mountain and not a human. Uh, let's keep things moving here, and we go to the Arizona Cardinals, Todd. And I, I don't quite know how to describe the Arizona Cardinals right now. This is a team that keeps improving in the win column, and yet it feels like the vibes right now mm-hmm. are like a team that's, I don't know, like a sort of a, uh, a cross-section, if you will, a franchise altering offseason depending on what happens with Kyler Murray but that's for a different time to discuss let's get into the draft they've got a pick each of the first three rounds then no fourth or fifth they start at 23 where should they go well they they need wide receiver they need edge they need running back they could go guard those are kind of the positions that I look at I think I think when you look at the wide receiver position this is kind of where that second run of receivers is going to go after we see after we see Wilson and, and Jamie, uh, Jamison Williams and Chris Olave and Drake London all off the board, I think there'll be a little bit of a lull. And then in the 20s, we'll see two or three more receivers come off the board. Traylon Burks from Arkansas, Jahan Dotson from Penn State, maybe Christian Watson from, from North Dakota State. So Traylon Burks, to me, would be a, a good slot receiver. I know they got one, but you need four receivers in that Cliff Kingsbury offensive system. And he provides something different, carries out of the backfield, 6'2", 225, like a running back after the catch, build-up speed, really good play speed compared to the 4.55 he ran in the 40-yard dash. So that could be a possibility at 23. Then you get to 55. They need another edge rusher. Drake Jackson from USC could be a possibility. Uh, Nick Benito from Oklahoma is another guy kind of in that range. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if it was wide receiver and edge with those two picks in the first two rounds. I'll say this, Todd, and Benito can certainly get after the quarterback, and they proved that at Oklahoma. I think running back's a, a neat area as well that they could address maybe at 55. That's the pick there in the second round. You think about where they are right now at running back. If you can get a Kenneth Walker the third, I don't think Brees Hall's going to be there. I'm looking here at 55. Uh, you know, yeah, I think Kenneth Walker the third maybe could. There's a lot of mixed opinion on running backs after the big two. After that top two, who's the third running back? I think an accent piece like James Cook from Georgia could be the guy. I like Pierre Strong Jr. from South Dakota State. Yeah, others are all over the place on Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M and Rashad White, Arizona State, Ty Chandler, Tennessee. There's a host of running backs that are going to go somewhere between the third and the seventh round. And good luck trying to figure out who that's going to be. It's going to allow you to maybe find an Elijah Mitchell type in the sixth round. I think the Cardinals addressed running back at some point. And what I want to see is, does Kenneth Walker the third? Drop down to 55. If he does, I think he'd look good in the Cardinal uniform. Yeah, Kenneth Walker III, such a good football player. I just feel like the running back spot, as always, is being debated in terms of the value of it in the draft. Uh, the final two teams in the NFC are the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are basically spectators this weekend. But let's begin with the 49ers, Mel, who are semi-spectators. They don't have a first-round pick. They don't pick until 61 overall. They're in this very unique spot because – They've got a quarterback question mark. Not that they don't have one on the roster, but they have two, and they can't seem to get rid of the one that they, I think, need to move off of in Jimmy G. And then also their wide receiver, their star wide receiver, that Debo Samuel, wants a trade. So as of right now, they don't have much draft capital. But how would you be approaching this draft if you were John Lynch, factoring in the quarterback and the, and the wide receiver trade discussions slash decisions? Well, that's a huge part of this whole thing. And I kept saying this week, Todd, you know, and Field, if you're going to bring in Trey Lance and transition to Trey Lance as your quarterback, and you're going to let Jettison, you know, Debo Samuel and move him, you got to get a lot in return, number one. There's a lot of talk about the Jets being that team for obvious reasons. They wanted Tyreek Hill and didn't get him. But if you're the 49ers, Trey Lance without Debo Samuel – I mean, you want to give your young quarterback yeah. a chance to have big-time success. Debo Samuel carried the football a lot more than he had his entire career, right? 
In high school, he did everything, but at the, at the pro level and with the 49ers, he was a receiver. He had some, some touches carrying the football, but this year, he became an extraordinary running back threat, okay? He became a superstar in this league, and now it's like he wants to be paid like it. Shanahan found a way, Todd, creatively to make it work with him. Now you're going to trade Lance. Are you going to trade Debo Samuel? And you think, okay, we can get a guy like that. Debo Samuel was a second-round pick, uh, as was a host of, of second-round picks that year. And I think Terry McLaurin went in the third round that same year when Nikhil Harry went in the first round ahead of those guys. So a lot of teams didn't have the board stacked right wide receiver, allowed some really good ones to drop down. But the 49ers corner, O-line, pass rusher. But what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo? You think trade, right? But that probably won't happen. Who knows when? He's not going to be ready to throw for a while. Teams are waiting on him. And then the whole Debo Samuel news, along with other receivers that want to be traded possibly, uh, really throws a, a little bit of a, a red flag here as the foes to what you're going to do if you're the 49ers and you know you're going maybe to, or to the young quarterback. And then Debo Samuel, Todd, being your MVP. Yeah, I'll ask you right now. If you're the 49ers, are you trading him? Absolutely not. But something's going on there. And obviously part of it, a good part of it is money. He wants to get paid what wide receivers are getting paid right now. But something else is going on. And I haven't heard, maybe you guys have heard more than I have, but from everyone I've talked to in the league, there's something going on where he doesn't want to be in San Francisco. I've heard some people said he doesn't want to live in California anymore. I don't know what it is, but if I'm John Lynch, my number one priority right now, forget this draft in the second round and the third round, we'll pick the guys who are on our board when we get there. I got to figure out Debo because we have nothing offensively without Debo. You got a tight end and you got a basically a rookie quarterback. So you've got to figure out Debo Samuel. And there's no way I would trade him unless it was just irreconcilable, whatever's gone on and whatever is going on with the relationship between the, the coaches and the, and the organization and Debo. I got to tell you, it's amazing that we still haven't had resolution to the Jimmy G situation, by the way. I know Debo is a massive deal right now, but it's put Jimmy G on the back burner. And, Todd, listen, you mentioned the geography. Mm-hmm. Like, you seen those California taxes recently for a guy that could be making $25 million bucks yeah. a year? That's a big difference if you go play for the uh, San Francisco Port Niners versus, as an example, not reporting or hype. Hey, hey Phil. Go ahead, Mel. I want to ask you. I want to ask you what I asked Todd. I mean, this is you're the insider here too. Yeah. People forget you're a host and an insider. Field. Uh, do you think that Debo Samuel will be traded, and when will Jimmy Garoppolo be dealt? Uh, I would say this about Debo Samuel is that I don't think the 49ers have any interest in trading Debo Samuel. But when a player comes and says, "I want a trade request," and makes it public. It's not always that the, the player gets dealt. As a matter of fact, the 49ers had this with Raheem Mostert a couple of years ago. They've had multiple players during John Lynch's time as the GM request a trade and then ultimately reverse course. Debo Samuel is a whole separate kettle of fish. And as Adam Schefter has reported on multiple occasions, they know what the money is. It's not that they're reticent to commit to him in terms of the finances. Like the number, they, they're not getting Debo Samuel for $17 bucks a year. They know that, right? It sounds like Debo is just as motivated to be moved because of his personal preference to not play for the 49ers anymore. And given how players like Devontae Adams and also Tyreek Hill have been dealt this offseason, it wouldn't surprise me if we have another blockbuster. The biggest issue is that we don't have a lot of time left. We have, what, three days till the NFL draft. So I think he's gone. I think it's a really difficult pill to swallow. And with Jimmy G, I just wonder if the numbers might catch up to them because – There's really only one team that any of us think is a reasonable suitor for Jimmy G, which is the Carolina Panthers. They've got the potential to draft a kid at some point point in the draft. They have the potential to trade for Baker Mayfield. Or they may say, you know something, as bad as it has looked, we traded for Sam Donald for a reason. So I think there's a chance that the 49ers find themselves in a major, major pickle with Jimmy G. And if that's the case, then we could be talking about Jimmy G ultimately either sticking out on the roster or could you imagine if they just released him? Like, I know it sounds crazy, but they got to save $25 million bucks somehow. They can't just have a guy as a $25 million backup. And if they use Trey Lance as their backup once again, to move all those picks last year for Trey Lance on the bench for two straight years? No, that's not happening. That, that to me, would be, that would be kind of a foot-in-the-mouth move for San Francisco, given the mountains that they moved last year. It's, a, it's, it's not a bad spot. They made the NFC Championship game last year, but it's an interesting offseason for San Francisco. And that brings us to our final mm. team, Mel. The team, and I'll let Todd start here because i got to go back and forth, be judicious here, but the team that the 49ers <laughs> lost to in the uh, NFC Championship game, 
which is the Rams, Todd. And this is a team that, as we know, has been aggressive. They've been unafraid to deal picks. I believe, if I did my math correctly, the only pick of these that they have, the eight that they have, that is their original, like their slotted original pick, not a compensatory pick, not a traded for pick, is their fifth rounder, 175 overall. Maybe it was 211 overall. But the bottom line is, Todd, this team doesn't necessarily need a bunch of picks to hit some home runs. They find some value, and they're very resourceful. Yeah, I mean, we've been on for over an hour now, and I'm going to give the Rams as much interest as they're they're giving the NFL draft picks. I mean, I'll give you a couple names. I think guard could be a position they go in the middle of the draft. Talking, you know, past the hundredth pick, they're they're finally going to come on the board. I think Sean Ryan, offensive tackle. Mel talked about tackles in college, moving to guard. Darian Kennard from Kentucky. Sean Ryan from UCLA. Could be a couple names that you you could hear in that third, fourth round range of the tackle moving to guard for the Rams. I'll say this, Todd, pass rusher as well. I mean, they can maybe find a guy third, fourth round area. Dominique Robinson, Miami of Ohio. Amari Barno, Virginia Tech. I like Alex Wright from UAB a lot. I wrote him up on ESPN.com back in October. I think you look at another, who's the other? Oh, D'Angelo Malone, Western Kentucky. I mean, they're, they're, you've been able to find some pass rushers at various points in the draft, and I think in that third, fourth round area, there's some guys that are going to be intriguing that aren't perfect. I get that, but they got a skill set that indicates they maybe could if coached properly, developed into a guy who can help you off the edge getting sacked. So those are some names to think about maybe uh, early day three. Hey, Kuiper, you got me a, a, a birthday cake on my birthday when I was at the Liberty Pro Day watching Malik Willis. Well, we have a happy birthday to hand out here. We Instead of a cake, we got Field hey. Gates a graphic. He's turning what? Set... I think 17, 18 years old this year. Yeah. What's going on? It's a bit, I can legally vote now. Uh, I think I'm allowed to make a mock draft <laughs> now legally. Uh, big year. I appreciate you guys. Where and, are you going uh, to college, Field? Uh, Happy you know, birthday, brother. I'm, I'm going to go to college. Wherever, whichever school produces the most first-round picks this year, that's where I'm going to commit to uh, to go to college. So you guys get to guess who that is. Probably Georgia or Alabama. Happy I don't birthday, know. One of those. You're going to be a bulldog. Yeah. I'm going to be a bulldog. I appreciate that very much. I love being on with you guys every single week. And I'm so thrilled for you guys that it is draft week. You guys know where to find them. ESPN, ABC, all weekend. Mel and Todd, literally the two goats when it comes to our draft analysis. Cannot wait to watch them all week. For Todd and for Mel, I am Field. <laughs> 